that y'all ready here today. I love that. I'm so honored. What a privilege it is to be able to share that moment with those families. You remain standing. We're going to receive Sunday, mo- Sunday morning's tithes and offerings. I didn't look up, so I'm sorry. Listen, you know, the, you know what we say. We say it every week. We appreciate so much your faithfulness to give and giving to God. We re- recognize that it is your gift and your faith. Full of Riggs children, I believe, immediately after the service today. So if you can stay and be a part of that and give witness to, to this moment, we would appreciate that equally as well. Thank you for sharing with these families. And I'll tell you what, those are, are three exceptional uh, families of parents who just, they love their children. And they've already began to just uh, build their whole life to, to structuring and shaping the lives of their children. And again, I mean that with all sincerity. I felt honored to be able to participate in the dedication of their children. And today, we, again, we had so many visitors that I was, was meeting in the foyer or greeting in the foyer, and I appreciate you coming out, whether you were here for the, the baby dedication or water baptism, or just you just happened to come to Hebrew First Assembly. I, I tell you, thank you so much for coming out. And uh, we're gonna, we're, I'm in the third part of a series, and I know this is the week before Thanksgiving, and I've been pastoring for 25 years, and I almost always preach a message on Thanksgiving because that's a spiritual principle right, that should be in the heart of every believer, but I just, I, I, know, I knew this when I started this four-part series uh, from the sheep and the shepherd that I was going to have to sacrifice that message, but I felt like that this was a very timely, even though it's not that dynamic, and I understand that, if you can understand the, the spiritual language that I'm using, it's not that da- dynamic, it's very practical, but it kind of just, it casts a different light and lens to our relationship with God and our relationship to the church. And that's very important. And it's a familiar, it's a familiar um, a means of, of, of using this analogy. It's, it's taking this natural example of sheep. And so we're going to, I know I've already, you've been up and down. And they say this in Pentecostal churches, spiritual calisthenics, and you're back at it here today. But I'm only going to ask you to stand for the reading of one verse of Scripture today. But I really, it's just, it's kind of, it's our history, it's our tradition. I'm not going to apologize for it. If you can't be stand, if you can't stand, that's totally fine. But those of you that can, we honor this. We honor the reading of the Word of God. And there's going to be a, a there's going to be additional text that I'll read here in a few moments. But just for our, just to, for out of tradition, it's this third verse of Psalm 100. That we've kind of used as a basis. We've read it every week. Let's read it together. It's on the screen in front of you. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so today it's part three of sheep and shepherd. And today I'm going to talk to you about water, goats, and scab. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? I can guarantee you there's not another pastor in all of the state of Arkansas that's got these titles or the part. This is my subtitles, Water, Goats, and Scabs. 
So, but we're going to trust God's going to use this. Amen? Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of God today. Let it become illuminated in our eyes. Let us hear and think and ponder it and understand. So we might deepen our relationship with you, most importantly. And number two, that we can deepen our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And thank you, Father, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name and all God's children said amen and amen. Some of the language that I have used here in this two parts, I mean, thus far, the two parts that I have preached from, I've spoken to you about this using the analogy of a natural example. And I want to bring some clarity to that, if I can, for you. There is a passage in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, where there's a, a, a one verse that Paul notes. And Paul says this, he sa- and this kind of stands out. He says, first that which is natural, then that which is spiritual. And so, and, and that's very simple, but if you'll stop and kind of hedge it in on either side and think on it for just a moment, it's that we, we live in a natural world. We, we, we are natural beings. We have flesh. We, we have, uh, you know, been placed here on the earth where there is, uh, you know, substance, and then we have living beings and animals, and then we have, you know, systems in the earth that we relate to that are in the natural. And so, from that, Paul said, first that which is natural, then he said, then that which is spiritual. So oftentimes, the writers of Scripture, divinely inspired by the Word of God, would take the familiarity of something natural to teach a very important spiritual principle. Does that make sense? Let me give you a few examples, just random examples, not in my notes, just random. The Lord told Jeremiah uh, when he was ministering before the, the fall of the city of Jerusalem, he said, go down to the potter's house. And when he went, that's a, that was a physical building. Walked through the door, it would have been a little wood-hewn shop. He went in there, and there would have been a potter's wheel, and there would have been a skilled potter sitting at the wheel with clay in his hands. And, and he said, watch how he forms this into a vessel. And then he said, watch how that the vessel is marred in the hands of the potter. But then he said, but, but he said, but watch it, stay with it. And he said, as, as it forms, he's going to reform it into another vessel. And so from that natural example, God gave the prophet Jeremiah a prophetic word to his generation of what he was going to do with the people of Israel, if they would just stay in the hands of the potter. Now, that's not the only example. All throughout the word of God, Jesus was the master teacher of using natural things to teach spiritual principles. Jesus would look out into the ocean or to the Galilean Sea, and he would teach about things. When they drew net with, with fish in the net, he would uh, speak about a pearl. He spoke about uh, lost sheep. He, Jesus used the, the analogy of sheep and shepherd on more than one occasion. Matter of fact, he took it to the day when we all stand before God. He said, on that day when you stand before God, he said, the sheep will be on one side and the goats are on the other side. And even the night of Jesus' betrayal, he looked at his disciples and he used the same, uh, whether it be an analogy or a metaphor, he looked, at, he looked at his disciples and he said, tonight the shepherd is going to be smitten. And then he looked at them and he said, and you, the sheep, are going to be scattered. And so what I'm doing here today, I'm just following an ancient practice. I'm just following an ancient tradition. Here's the difference, though. It's that those natural examples were familiar to that particular culture. 
Most of us are not that familiar with raising sheep. We don't live in an area where sheep and goats is that prominent. And so I've told you as I started this series that many or some, under the sound of my voice, have been raised on farms or possess farms now, and you've got cattle. And there are some similarities, but not all exact. But we're doing our very best to reach into this and to make spiritual principles because I really want you to know the shepherd, the good shepherd. The one that gave us life for the sheep. I want you to know him. And I want you to be a good sheep. Right? And, and I want, in, the, in, the, in a lesser sense, I want you to know the, the sheep that are in the fold with you. And I want you to be all that God's called you to be. Amen? So with this, let me take you into a text to just reaffirm this before we go into the three things I'm going to talk to you about. I'm going to take you quickly into the book of Ezekiel. And I, I, I did not originally intend to do this. I intended to save this for an entire week by itself, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of affirm this one more time with you. In the 34th chapter, we're going to read this quickly, not in great depth. I'm not going to expound and explain every part, and I may omit some of it along the way. But I'm going to show you once again when the prophet Ezekiel, during the time of what we know as the Babylonian captivity, when the children of Israel had been taken captive to Babylon... Ezekiel is a prophet and a priest, and while there, the Spirit of God comes to him and speaks a word to his heart to the children of Israel about what happened that led to their captivity. And he gives them promise of what's going to take place when God gets through, when his, when his, when his divine plan comes fully to fruition. So we're going to read it just real quickly. We're going to just kind of glean through it. And it's going to, again, set the context for us. It's going to build this because I think it's important that you see this. Because as I take you into these three things today, water, goats, and scab, I want you to be, I want you to be fully convinced in your mind today that even if one of the ancient prophets of God came here today, dressed in the attire and the garb of a prophet of old with a mantle and a staff and maybe a crooked over back. I don't know. Elisha had a bald head. I don't know. Whatever they look like, but if they were to stand in front of you, they still might look to the sheepfold to teach you a spiritual truth. Verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came unto me. I pray the word of the Lord's coming. It's come to me, but is it coming to you? Son of man, prophesy against. This is a warning to all those that are pastors. I told you last week that the word pastor in the Greek in the New Testament is from the same word translated shepherd. So there is no ministry in all of the New Testament that is more akin to the shepherd that you're familiar with seeing on the hills of ancient Israel than that of a pastor. And so, so we as pastors, I'm telling you, I have read this passage of Scripture many, many times over the 25 years that I've been pastoring. And I read it with reproof. I read it with correction. Because if I don't let God correct me, then I'm not his child. Right? And I, so I read it and say, God, you correct me. Because if he reproves me and corrects me, then he'll instruct me and then he'll use me. And so with this, we read it on down. He says, whoa, it's a warning to the shepherds. Because here's what they were doing. The people of Israel, the leaders of ancient Israel at that time, he said, you're eating the fat and you're clothing with the wool and you're killing them that are fed, but you're not feeding the flock. You're not feeding the flock of God. The disease, look at look going down, let's just read it. The disease you've not strengthened, neither have you healed that which is sick. Neither have you bound up that which is broken. Neither have you brought again that which is driven away. Neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty, have you ruled them? And they were scattered because there is no shepherd. 
And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. And my sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. My flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. So there is a prophetic word of reproof by the prophet Ezekiel to the leaders of ancient Israel because they took advantage of God's people and they didn't seek after them when they were lost or they didn't attempt to help them when they were down or even to provide an atmosphere where they could be healed when there was sickness in their bodies. And there's a strong word of reproof. And it continues, the seventh verse. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. God said, I'm going to remove you. Look at this in verse 8. He said, because my flock became a prey and, and the enemy came in and they became meat to every beast of the field because there was no shepherd. Neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves. Verse 10, he says, he said, behold, I am against the shepherds. What a strong word. God said to the, pro, to, the, to the leaders of his people, he said, I'm going to require my flock at your hand and I'm going to cause you to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves. God said, I'm not going to allow you any longer. Even doesn't matter if you have ecclesiastical endorsement. doesn't matter whether you've got doctorate degree hanging on your wall. God said, if you can't take care of my people, my sheep, the way I want you to, I will take you out of the fold. And every pastor should look at this word and it should be, it should be reproof to our spirit. These are not the sheep of my pasture. These are the sheep father of your pasture. And I have a responsibility to, to, to attempt to do everything that I can to reflect your nature to them. That's the way every pastor should look at this passage. Let's go on down. Thus saith the Lord God. He said, then God said, you know what? I'm going to step in. He said, I'm going to search out the sheep. He said, as a shepherd seeks out his flock in the day that they are among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and the dark day. God said, I'm going to bring them from other people. So again, that was to the children of Israel that had been scattered during the Babylonian captivity. God said, I'm going to find you. Wherever you're at, I'm going to find you and I'm going to bring you back to the fold. He said, I'm going to put you in your own land. I'm going to feed you in your own mountains by the rivers and in all the inhabited places. It's a powerful word of where God says, I'm going to reach out and minister to, to the people of Israel. Let's jump down to verse 17 if we can. And then the Lord, in his reproof, he's not finished. So as sheep here today, don't think that you're not going to find reproof when you read this text either. Yeah, us shepherds, yeah, we can, I, I was like, ow, I can feel the sting of my father in the sense of his word teaching me and correcting me. But God said, also, he said, I'm going to speak to my flock. God said, I'm going to judge between the cattle and the cattle and the rams and the he goats. He said, because he said, is it a small thing that you eat up the good pasture, but you got to tread down that with your feet with the residue of your pastures and you drunk of the deep waters? He said, and you got to foul the residue with your sheep. Every land, every livestock owner here today, you have had livestock that dominate the other livestock and they hook and they horn and they push and then they murk and mire the, the water or they tread down the good grass and that God is reproving the people of his pasture, because they're not taking care of one another. They're not considerate of one another. And so he said, and as for my flock, look at this, verse 19, they're eating which they have trodden down, and they're having to drink what you have fouled with your feet. Have you ever seen cattle in a pond, and one is drinking and the other is pooping? I know that's, you know, you shouldn't say things like that, but I did. That's just the way it goes around here. Have you ever seen that? And you're like, oh my gosh, I would rather have it out of a water tank. And so, but in this sense, that's what he's saying. He's saying, some are fouling it 
while others are trying to drink. Uh, and so there, some, 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 stuff, some, some rough stuff can happen to you in the sheepfold at times. It shouldn't be that way if our hearts are always pliable before God. And so God gives reproof. He said, look what he said in verse number 20. He said, I'm going to judge between the fat cattle and between the lean cattle. Because you've thrusted with your shoulder, you pushed all the disease with your horns, so you've scattered them abroad. And God said, I'm going to save my flock, and they're going to be no more prey, and I'm going to judge between cattle and cattle. I'm going to stop right there for the sake of time. So why would I bring this particular text? This text right here, Ezekiel 34, if I was teaching the sheep and the shepherd the way that I really should, it would demand its own sermon by itself. Because it's a standalone text that reminds us today that God is watching over his flock. And that we are, we are all susceptible to God's correction. And we are, should be all willing to receive his reproof, right? And then his correction that would lead us to be who God's called us to be. Whether that be shepherds as leaders, myself and other leaders under the sound of my voice, but also the sheep. And so why am I saying all that to you? I'm just reminding you when I started this series three weeks ago on the sheep and the shepherd, I am not the first one that's ever taught a series on sheep and the shepherd. But ancient prophets of old used these principles to teach to the children of Israel that, listen, you are the sheep of God's pasture, and God wants you to be a good sheep, and he wants you to be led by pastors that truly and genuinely care for you. Come on, somebody. Amen. I want to drop three things down in your spirit that I think are really critical for you as a person as you grow and mature in your faith in Christ. I want to talk to you, first of all, about water and about goats and about scab and closing this message here today. Number one, about water. About water, sources of water. For a moment of time, sheep in that arid uh, environment of ancient Israel, water sources were very, very critical. Sheep themselves are not like camel that can go many days without water. Sheep have to have 1.5 gallons of water per day to survive. And in the cool season, as the fall and the winter and then the early spring, they can go as far as three to four miles from their water source. But in that hot summer sun, they cannot go any farther than one to two miles away from a water source. And so a shepherd must have uh, specific places in mind where he's going to water his flock. And so there's a parallel to this very quickly for you as a believer in Christ. And that parallel is this, is that when as the sheep watered and, and provided what they needed to, to sustain life in that arid environment, you need the presence of God. You need the reveal. We believe as spirit-filled believers in the reveal presence of God. David himself said in Psalm 63, I believe it is, he didn't use a sheep, but he used a deer. He said, as the heart, H-A-R-T, as the heart or the deer panteth for the water brooks, he said, so my soul thirsteth for the living God. That every one of us, there is a part of our communion and our walk and our relationship with God when we need his divine presence in our lives. All the way back to the Genesis, God himself would come down in the heat of the day. And what would he do? He would walk with his creation. Adam and Eve, he would walk with them in the cool of the day. And you need those moments in your life when you are in the presence of God. So there were three distinct ways that the shepherds made sure that their sheep were being watered. Number one was a well. You can go back to the book of Genesis and you'll find numerous re references to wells that were dug by shepherds. And so what that means is, is that the shepherd went in beforehand and he dug down deep into the earth, put rock around a cistern until it came up out of the earth where he could draw water and draw out water to, feed, to water his flock. And so what does that mean for you? That means like today, Sunday morning, the shepherds of this house 
have gone in front of you, and we have dug into the earth and then come up out of the earth so that when you came into this house, you could behold the glory of God, and you could drink of the presence of Almighty God. That's a terrible amen for a good point. So every Sunday, you need to be reminded of this, is that there's an anointing in this house because somebody's gone in front of you. Somebody's heart has been prepared. Somebody took the time to pray. Somebody took the time to yield their talent and their ability to God so that when you came from this dog-eat-dog world where everything is bad news and this is going on and that's going on, but for a few short minutes, you could, you could be in the presence of the living God. A shepherd has gone in front of you and prepared that for you. Number two, there were seasons of rain and showers in ancient Israel where it was just spontaneous. The waters would come. God said that, that, that the land of Israel would be always watered from above, and God said, I will drop down abundance of rain. That, what I believe that that to be, that's seasons of revival, special seasons, supernatural times in the life of a believer when God just chooses by His sovereign grace to pour His Spirit out upon a people. This past Wednesday night, JoJo testified above, about it, that at the Baptist church east of town, that there was a small and brief shower in the spirit, wasn't there, JoJo, of the divine presence of Almighty God that ministered to people and drew people into the kingdom of God. And I want you to know that we believe for such moments like this. We pray for it. We ask it. God is sovereign. He chooses to do it when He chooses to do it. You can't carbon copy what another church does, but you need those moments of the sovereign, supernatural, above and beyond just normal church, above and beyond ordinary church, when God just suddenly pours His Holy Spirit out amongst His people. And that's the season of shower and rain. That's what the, people, the, the shepherds of Israel depended upon. But number three, and maybe as important today as anything I'm going to tell you, is that the sheep would rise up early in the morning and they would drink heaven's dew. What is that? That means as they would go out and immediately begin to graze, the ground, the grass, would have laid upon it the night's dew. And that would, as they were grazing, not only would it provide nourishment, but it would also provide hydration. And so let me just tell you today, this is something that I and Joe and Jace and Shane and others talked to you about. It's personal devotion, especially early in the morning. I know it's not real exciting that I'm saying to you today, but it's very practical. But I'm going to tell you that your life can be forever altered by a little bit of discipline getting up in the mornings before everything happens in your home and you have some quiet time with the Lord. It'll change the way you think during the course of the day. It'll change the ability that you have to react to the difficult situations that you can face. It will put a word in your heart and mind, right, that will prepare you for the course of the day. Go back and read in Mark's gospel, chapter number one, when you'll find this verse of scripture. I can't quote the verse by its number, but I can quote what it says. And Jesus, arising a great while before day, went out into a solitary place and there prayed. That should teach all of us that as the sheep of his pasture, we need to drink heaven's dew. And it will help us to become the sheep that God's called us to be. Number two, let me talk to you quickly about today is goatee behavior. Because I hate to sell you this as your pastor. I've observed some goatee behavior over the years. Let me tell you a little bit about the difference in goats and sheep. Did you know when a goat is first born in a sheep that for the first year you cannot tell them apart? 
Did you know under the ancient sacrifices of ancient Israel that a goat could be a part of the sacrifice as much as a sheep or a lamb? We often think about Christ being the lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Did you know that a goat could be used too up until one year of age because there was no distinguishing from a sheep? They looked exactly alike until about one year of age when they began to change. And that is their horns. They began to develop horns that would curl backwards. They would be different from that of the sheep. And they also had beards. And goats would also have a distinctive odor. Who here has handled goats? A few of you. You know that with that handling of goat, especially that buck goat, that that rascal stinketh. Come on, somebody. That's King James Version right there, Lee Brown interpretation. (laughs) I have a couple of stories that I really, really want to tell. But I'm afraid that if I told those stories, I would dig a hole deeper than I have dug in the past. And I might not be able to climb out of this one. So far, I've been able to climb out. So I'll have to let that go. But I've got a couple stories I might tell you in private about a buck goat named Joe. (laughs) And his girlfriend named Angel that we called Ann. And I'm just going to leave that alone right there. And I'll say enough said. That's a private conversation. And I'll tell you that privately. (laughs) (laughs) that's funny I don't care where you're from right there the goats like the high places they do they want the rock they want to take the top they often challenge the perimeter of the flock they often challenge the shepherd they don't follow well they prefer to lead and goats will eat pretty much anything even things that you don't want them to eat and they've been known to eat dynamite and I know we all can think about the Andy Griffith moment when they, that goat ate dynamite. And you think, well, that was made. Well, no, it has happened in the past. The goats have actually eaten dynamite. And uh, so they'll eat pretty much anything, even things that they, they, that they don't need to eat. And the things that they're known to do, though, is that a goat will butt you. Butt you. They'll, they'll butt you. And so with this, here's our, our little bit of our analogy for just a moment of time. In the church, let me tell you, there's different types of people in the body of Christ. So we have sheep that are genuinely born again, born by the power of the Holy Spirit, your children of God. But do you know in the church a lot of times there are actually goats? A goat in this moment of time would be someone that really doesn't know the Lord. They know about the Lord, right? They know of God. They're a God-fear. They believe in God, but they have never been born again. See, the only way that you can go from being a goat to a sheep is you've got to be born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have a legitimate, genuine change where the Spirit of God comes in your life. There's got to be a nature change. Are you out there today? And so, but in the context of managing a flock or leading a flock, we have known for many, many years that not every person that hangs out with the church is genuinely born again. There are people that, again, they have a head knowledge about God. They think that they know the Lord, but the reality is in works they actually deny Him. They profess one thing and they live life just a little bit different. But they're comfortable in the sheepfold. But the danger of the goat is they're not a wolf. They're not going to devour the sheep. But what they'll do is, is that sheep have a tendency to follow the goats. And what will happen is you'll look up and your sheep will be acting like your goats. And so you'll have a sheep with goaty behavior. And you say, Pastor, what is that? That's carnal living. It means that you're living like the world. 
You're in the fold and you start thinking and acting and talking and moving and reacting like the world. That's not the will of God for you. The will of God for you is to be conformable to the image of Jesus. You're following the shepherd. You want to look like him, act like him, and talk like him, and be like him. But you got to be careful because somebody else will be leading you astray, and you'll look up, and you'll have goatee behavior. And God's called us to be rid of goatee behavior. You can always tell a goat or at least a sheep with goatee behavior by the butt. Pastor, that was a fantastic message that you preached, but. Man, God is moving in our church, but. Man, we're trusting that the Lord is going to do great things, but. And so we got to be guarded, church family. Make sure that you know who you are. Are you a sheep in God's pasture? Are you a goat that needs a nature change? Or are you a sheep with goaty behavior? Because goaty behavior needs to change. It's not acceptable in the eyes of God. And I want to close with this last one very quickly today and fold this in for a moment. I know this is very practical, and I'm not ashamed of this because as a shepherd, my responsibility is, is I want to present you to the Lord. I want you to be all that God's called you to be. The heartbeat of my life beyond my family is that the people that are under my, whatever you may call it, ministry, leadership, I don't like to use those words at times, but my shepherding gift, whatever God's placed inside of me, is that you grow and mature into all God's called you to be, right? That you walk in love, that you walk with the favor of God, that your countenance is up, come on, that you're healthy and whole, that you're producing other sheep, come on, somebody, that, that you're being who God's called you to be and you're walking in the blessing of God. I want to see you lying down by still waters and grazing in grassy pastures, right? I want you to maturing and be, I want your families whole. I get grieved in my heart when I hear about testimonies of families where there's contention and there's strife because it doesn't have to be that way, right? If we'll get rid of goatee behavior and carnal living, you can have the blessing of God upon your home and the favor of God. And so it's, that's the heartbeat that I possess for you as a pastor. And so the third thing I want to talk to you today about in closing this message, and I know it's very pastoral and it's very practical and it's not necessarily evangelistic and it's not necessarily very prophetic, but I cannot apologize for it. You need to know that you are a sheep in his pasture and you have a responsibility to be who he's called you to be. As I said, I was going to talk to you about scab. Scab, because I closed the message off last week we're talking to you about the anointing. Does anybody remember that? And I shared with you as I closed the message off about that the, as the flies, especially as the summer sun heats up in the land of Israel, so do the flies come out. And every cattle person here today knows exactly what I'm talking about. And you have fought and you have done everything that you can to face off of those horn flies um, that, that just will rob your livestock and cause them to be agitated. It's the same with the sheepfold. And I told you last week that as those flies are buzzing around and they're oftentimes landing in the nostrils of the sheep, they're planting eggs and, and they're irritable and the sheep are restless. And if they don't rest, they can't eat right. If they don't eat, they don't gain the right weight. If they don't gain the right weight, then they don't produce. Are y'all out there today? And I closed the message was telling you that, that, that in the spirit, that's demonic influence. Demonic spirits, because Satan was the lord of the flies. Isn't he? Beelzebub means the lord of the flies. And there's all this activity around you. And I told you last week as I closed the message off, I said, but the shepherd had in his cloak something very dynamic. It was a jar of oil. 
with, with that, that, that had certain spices placed in it that he would pour over the head of the sheep. And we even put the picture up there uh, last week of a sheep, and their oil was, I mean, literally, not you, not the three babies that I put oil on, but it, right there it is. There, there it was. That, there's the sheep. I don't know why. Give me a good sheep name right here. What would you name that sheep, Aaron, if you had that sheep? Joe, there's Joe right there with the anointing oil right there being poured on his head right there. And that shepherd loved him enough to hold him down for just a moment to get the anointing on his head to help protect him from the enemy. The flies are his enemy. And I want you to know God's got an anointing for every one of you. Right? An anointing on your head of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Right? That can give you an ability to drive away demon spirits fears and anxieties and frettings that can come in. But then beyond this, though, is a disease. Remember that passage in Ezekiel? He reproved the shepherds because he said, you have not healed that which was diseased. The number one thing that shepherds deal with in sheep is scab disease. Scab disease can start at the head, typically, and it can be spread. It spreads initially from head-to-head contact. How many know a lot of things get in our heads? And spreads from head-to-head contact, right? And so, but different than the anointing in this situation, the anointing on the head of a sheep, there's not a lot of wool on the head, just hair. The wool starts from the neck downward. And so you can't anoint them with oil that much. And so shepherds learned over many years, hundreds and hundreds of years of keeping sheep, that in order to control the spread of scab, that they literally had to start dipping their sheep. I'm going to show this up here. I know this is something you never really thought. How about that? Right there. That's a hot tub for you right there, isn't it? Right there. And that's literally the sheep to protect them from the scab. And if you Google search this yourself, you'll find a number of images that sometimes they, they had long troughs that they started on one end of the trough and they would come all the way through it and they would come out on the other end. And you can kind of see the little rod that's kind of holding the sheep down, making it come down so that that water that's got medicinal uh, you know, properties inside it, including oil and including certain uh, you know, fragrances that will help with, in healing of the disease and also driving away, again, the flies that could then be uh, uh, you know, affecting the, the, the area that is infected. And so the sheep are literally being, if you want me to say this to you, they're being baptized. Baptized. Now, how am I going to, I know you're saying, Pastor, you're going to have to do a really good job of spinning this one here today to close this message out. And I'm going to do that. That's why I get paid the big bucks (laughs) to do this for you today. Because you know what? You do too need to be baptized. You do. So let let me show you a passage of Scripture to explain what I mean by this. Because... We're dealing with infections, and we're dealing with carnal behavior. Is there an answer for it for all of us here? There is, and I'm closing this message today. There is an answer. It's found in the book of Romans. I'm going to connect you to it right now today in closing. Chapter number 6, the book of Romans. Are you all out there? Romans chapter number 6, verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall I continue to sin? Now, sin for you can be one thing. Sin for someone else can be something different. For sin, for some, it's an act of uh, what you commit. It's a transgression. For some, it's an act of omission, right? It's when you fail to do something that God's called you to do. 
So there are some things that you struggle with that somebody else does not struggle with, but somebody else struggles with something else. So this has a broad application. It's a familiar three-letter word three-letter word that we're familiar with, all of us. It simply means missing the mark. It's a part of our life where we know that if we were to be measured up against that perfect standard that God has for us, we have come short of it. Shall we then continue in sin, continue in transgression, continue to think with goatee behavior, continue to act like a carnal person when I'm genuinely born again? Do I continue to let the curse of my family or generations be played out in my life over and over again? Do I, do I say excuse after excuse? Well, I'm this way because my daddy was this way or I did this because this is what happened to me as a child. There comes a moment in the life of a believer when you ought to rise at the place where you say, no more excuses. The power of the blood, the power of the cross was enough and the curses of the enemy are broken right there in Jesus' name. I'm going to live life differently because of the power of his blood. Let's read on down. Number two, what am I going to do? God forbid, the author says. How shall you and I that are dead to sin, remember that three words right there, dead to sin, live any longer therein. Third verse, we go a little farther. Know ye not, this is where the mystery gets to be unlocked for us here as I'm closing. That so many of us, What were we? We were baptized into Jesus Christ. You were baptized into his death. Remember that. Hold that thought. Let's read that fourth verse. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so should you and I walk in newness of life. What a powerful passage. So I want you to recreate that in your mind for that sheep. That sheep is being tormented by, he's, he's fought off successfully because the shepherd put anointing oil on his head, and he fought off the gnats for a, a period of time. But it got down inside him, got into his lower extremities there, and so the shepherd had no other choice because his wool could not handle that much oil dumped on top of it. So he then took him into the vat, and he baptized him completely all the way under, taking him along the trough until he came out on the other side. And when he came out on the other side, he now had a a healing element, he had a cleansing element, and he had an ability to repel some of the insects that had planted the sickness in his body. Body of the scab, the parasite, or the mite that was, had been on his flesh, he now has, has an ability to, to see that driven away. So what does that have to do with you and I? When you and I recognize that in Christ Jesus, we were buried with him by baptism. That when you and I, Joe's going to take two of his children in water here in just a few short minutes, and he's going to take them down under the water. And what's that saying is that the old person is dead. The old person with its carnal lifestyle, its carnal mind, its evil mind that's enmity against God, it's dead. It's buried with Christ in the waters of baptism. It is when Jesus went in the tomb, you and I went in the tomb with him. But when they rolled that stone away and he came walking out by the power of Almighty God, you're going to live a life that brings God glory. You're going to live differently than the way that you previously lived because you identify with his death. You say, the old man is dead, and he's not going to dominate who I am today. I'm not going to think the way I used to think. I'm not going to talk the way I used to talk. And God forbid, I'm not going to act the way I used to act because I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, alive unto God. And so should you walk in newness of life. Baptism. 
but you got to identify with his death. There's a key word here later in the text. Let's see if I can find it. Verse number 11, Lord, put it on the screen if you would. Likewise, reckon. Don't you like that? That validates the way that you talk here in the hills. It's right here in the Word of God. Now, in these modern translations, it probably doesn't say that. But here it says to me, reckon. You reckon yourself to be dead. It's an accounting term. You determine, you simply arrive at the conclusion that my old nature, that old goaty behavior is dead and I'm alive to God through Jesus Christ. It's a work of the spirit of the living God in the heart and life of a believer. The carnal-minded person may never understand what I'm telling you today. But those that have a spiritual mind can understand and know that to be who God's called me to be, be who God's called you to be, you've got to die to that old man. He's got to be buried. It is not acceptable for you as a born-again child of God to still live, act, and talk like the world. Not acceptable. God said there's a way that you don't have to. You've got to reckon yourself to be dead to sin but you're alive to God. You can live and you can be who God's called you to be. Daryl's showing me on the platform today. I told you when I got started, I was going to talk to you about three things today. I was going to talk to you about water and goatee behavior and scab. And I was going to do it in the context of this familiar analogy of the sheep and the shepherd. And with that familiar analogy of the sheep and the shepherd, you find yourself, you need the sustenance that his presence brings. Don't you? You need his presence. We all need his presence. We need to know that the presence of God, and I know there, that the presence of God can be in the house, it can be in the field, it can be in your own personal devotion. Wherever it is, you need that presence where you just, as the deer panted. Think about that. You could even say it this way, and I don't think you would take away from the text. Psalm 63, verse number 1, the psalmist David said, As the heart, King James Version, as the heart panteth for the water brook, so my soul thirsteth for the living God. You could say, as the sheep panteth for the water brook, so my soul thirsteth for the living God. And you need to satisfy that thirst by his presence, don't you? You do. All of us do. It will help you to be who God's called you to be. Number two today, I've drawn to your attention goaty behavior. Goaty behavior where a goat is somebody that, that, that really just doesn't know the Lord. And they might be around church. They might be kind of in the fold at times. But they're, they, they challenge the perimeter of the fold. They challenge the shepherd. They butt at everything. And the only way that a goat can truly be a sheep is that in the spirit there has to be a nature change. Isn't that right? Now, again, the carnal-minded person doesn't even understand what I'm talking about there. When they say a nature change, that's what Jesus meant when he said you must be born again. You have to be born from above. You have to be born by the Holy Spirit. If you're not born of God, you can look religious, act religious, talk religious, and you can die religious and not enter into God's eternal kingdom. The reality is there are a lot of religious people, I'm going to say it, I don't mean to be offensive, who are going to die and go to hell. Because they have not been born by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then we also find that there are a lot of... The, the, the actual book that I'm using here 
to help me, said it's called marginal Christians, goatee behavior. Christians that were genuinely born again, but they're allowing their flesh and their fleshly appetites to dominate them. And the only way to do, to overcome that is, is you need to be baptized. You need to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed. I've done my part, God. I've done all that I know to do today. I've reached the place, God, I've brought the people to the to this moment here where I've taught them principles that I truly believe will help them. God, I believe this week as I live my life, I'm going to be more mindful of being kind. I'm going to be more mindful of being considerate. I'm going to be more mindful, God, of walking in love and walking in grace and mortifying my ungodly desires, not letting my carnal mind dominate who I am. When evil thoughts come into my mind, I will pull them up and remove them so that I can think on that which is good. God, reading this and preparing my heart through the course of this week for this moment right here has challenged me personally in my walk with you. I hope it has somebody under the sound of my voice. God, I've read far more than what I've shared today. And the people only have about a 40 to 45 minute window where I have brought them this principle, and I've taken it through the lens of the sheep and the shepherd. And God, I just pray that your spirit, that your spirit, God, will work in their heart and their lives in a powerful way, and that you will lead them, God, and you will change them as your Holy Spirit works. I'm going to ask a couple of things. I'm going to pray with you right where you're at today if there's anyone here today. I've got two things I'm going to give you an invitation of. And I just, I can't be apologetic for it. But number one, you may be in this house today, and, and the, through the strange analogy of sheep and shepherd, you've arrived at the conclusion today where you'd say, Pastor, if I was being honest, I'm, I've got the nature of a goat. I, I know about God, but I don't know God. I know about the Savior and the shepherd, but I really don't know him personally. Pastor, would you pray with me today? Because I want to be a sheep of his pasture. It's a strange and odd analogy, but oh, how it speaks life to us today. You can be. You can be born again in this house today. I was eight years old, church family, when I felt the Spirit of God tug on my heart, and I knew that I needed Jesus Christ into my heart and my life, and I raised my hand at the end of a children's church service, and I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, and you can do that here today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? Right where I am, I'll pray with you right where you're at. Say, Pastor, I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up right where you're at today. And if I see it, I'll pray with you today right where you are. Is there anyone? I'm looking from my left all the way across. I'm waiting. I see a hand going up. Thank you. A couple hands going up today. God bless you. Thank you. Some children are raising their hands today. And we're trusting God. We're trusting God today. Number two. Number two here today. I want you to be honest. This is your moment. It's personal. I'm not bringing to the front. We've got water baptism. There's still a little bit more to do. But I want to pray with you today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I truly know the Lord, but I'm going to be honest. There are times I'm dominated by my old nature, that old goatee behavior that still dominates me. I, I, I've not yet really fully died to myself, and I'm not walking in newness of life. There has to be more. There has to be more. If that's you, be courageous enough. Just make contact by the raising of your hand. I'm going to pray with you today, right where you're at. That's how we're going to do it today. It's a little bit different. Sometimes we would bring you forward. 
Not today. Today we're going to pray right where you're at. Is there you? If that's you, slip your hand up. I see that hand over there today. Is there anyone else? I see some hands. Man, this is honest today. These are sincere people just saying, Pastor, pray with me today. What a special gift. I feel so honored that you trusted me to raise your hand where no one was looking around but just me, your pastor, to pray for you today. I want to ask every person under the sound of my voice to pray a prayer with me. The first prayer is to accept Jesus Christ into their heart as their Lord and personal Savior because there were a couple of hands that went up. Someone raised their hand and said, I need Jesus in this house today. Isn't that exciting? Church family, would you all pray with me today right now? Would you say, dear Lord, say, I come to you today. Come on, y'all can say it out loud with me right now. All of us can. We can say, I'm a sinner today, God. I acknowledge that. I have sinned. If the pastor had read that text deeper in Romans 6, it would have said, we have all sinned. And I have sinned. You're praying that today between you and the Lord. And Lord, I confess my sin to you. Right here, right now, I acknowledge I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me. Somebody pray that with me right now. Those of you that raised your hand at that point, say, God, forgive me of all my sin. And wash me clean today, God. Wash me clean in the blood of Jesus Christ, that I can be made whole and be your child. Today, Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you. I I receive you into my heart and into my life by the Holy Spirit. And from this day forward, I'm not a goat. From this day forward, I'm not a sinner. I'm a child of God. I'm yours. I'm a sheep of your pasture. And I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Glory to God. Isn't that powerful, Lord Jesus? Thank you, church family, those of you that prayed that prayer. But I want to pray for there were many people that raised their hand and say, Pastor, you know, I know the Lord But I'm going to be honest, even that little window that you gave to the goatee behavior, it really struck a chord in my life. Just that short 10 minutes, Pastor, that you talked about it. I know that there are things that I say, thoughts that I think, and places and things and the way I act and react that you're not pleased with, God. And I know that I can live differently. So, God, today, those people, every man and woman that raised their hand, I'm so honored, God, and feel so grateful today that they raised their hand to acknowledge, not out of condemnation, not because we coerced them into raising their hand, but they saw for a brief moment that, wait a minute, I don't have to be this way. He can work in me. He can work through me. I can die to the old man, and I can live unto God. Lord, I pray over every person who raised their hand at that point. I pray, God, that they will consider, they will reckon themselves dead to sin, but alive unto God. May the Spirit of the living God, Father, that lives on the inside of them, begin to dominate and dictate their actions, their thoughts, their imaginations, their words, what they do, what they say, how they act, and how they react, God. May they walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. May the old man be buried in baptism with Christ. And God, may the new man, God, may they walk in newness of life. As a sheep came up out of the baptism tank, God, they would then in turn live differently than when they went in. I pray that those individuals, my family, my church family that raised their hand, God, I'm going to trust that you're going to work in them in such a powerful way. There are going to be tears in their eyes when they think about the wonders of what God's doing in their life. 
how that they're overcoming as Jesus overcame and they're walking completely different than the way. Joe prayed it this way this morning. They're going to walk out of here differently than the way they came in. They may have walked in with goatee behavior, but they're going to walk out, Father, with the sheep's, Father God, language, body language, following the good shepherd wherever he leads them. So I bless the people today. I bless them today in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, come on, somebody, amen and amen. Now listen, church family, you have honored me and our church family by being here today. You've allowed us to dedicate your children. You've allowed me as your shepherd to sow the word of God in your heart. And now we've got one last thing that those of you that can stay, we encourage you if you're over the next 10 minutes or so, Joe and Ann are going to already be moving to get some of their children, I think, and we're going to have a great moment. Two precious little girls that have become such a vibrant part of Hebrew First Assembly are going to uh, be baptized in water today. So if you have to be dismissed, be dismissed in love. Remind you, we will not be having Wednesday evening service this week. May your family be blessed during this Thanksgiving holiday. But if you want to take a little intermission while they're getting the girls ready, you can run to the restroom and you can come back in here and give witness to water baptism. God bless you and thank you for being here today.